As contemplated earlier, non-existential words whose meaning is purely pragmatic lose their pragmatic meaning in all respects except for the speaker's will to power or aesthetic purpose unless tied to both sense experience at one end and theory to the other end. And by sense experience, I mean sense experience other than just other words uh, in situations where the pragmatic purpose is only a will to power or aesthetics associated with that will to power. Usually the only other sex, sense experience is other words. Words that exist solely as words connected to other words have aesthetic value and serve the speaker's will to power to achieve power as an end in itself. Aesthetics itself can be used to achieve power if other people enjoy one's aesthetic verbiage and thus gives one power by wanting more of it or by wanting to share in that enjoyment as empowering. As workers in a technological society based on information as power, however, it is important that all workers understand how words are used and abused to achieve power as an end in itself, and especially power over workers as an end in itself. A common recent example of this type of word game con is the arguments as as gender being a social construct. It is true to say that gender is a social construct, but so is pretty much everything else in language. Uh, everything in language except for existential meaning is a social construct. If this word gender is to have pragmatic meaning other than a will to power for the speaker, it must be tied to sense experience at one end in theory at the other. It cannot be arbitrarily and randomly changed to fit any solitary theory or even communal theory at the other end, independent from sense experience. At least for now and for all known human history and for the predictable future, gender is tied to the word gender and its meaning is tied to the sense experience of the fact that we have needed and still need male and female sex organs to procreate. Thus, male and female gender, at the end of sense experience, are words whose meaning is fixed to male and female sex organs. Someday, when babies are made in test tubes and everyone is unisex, with no reproductive organs, or the sex organs go the way of the appendix or tonsils, or whatever useless organ may be in the human body, gender will pretty much be anything we want the test tube to be, the test tube baby to be, so gender will, will lose its present meaning to become either a new meaning through new usefulness or be completely disregarded as meaningless. Until that day, until that happens, saying gender is a social construct whose meaning can be arbitrarily and randomly changed is delusional. Uh, all it does is help the will to power of the speakers who are trying to achieve uh, certain power over the community and over others. And any associated verbiage arguing the gender can be so arbitrarily uh, changed is the aesthetics I was contemplating, which aesthetics uh, serves as a will to power. A more serious example of this type of language, game con, is the switch during the last few decades from using behaviorism to using the term cognitive science to describe what certain uh, areas of pseudoscience 
uh, do. Uh, as psychology and psychiatry and linguistics began working together during and after World War II, they ran into the private language problems we have I contemplated in the previous philosophy of language episodes and in the other episodes dealing with ontology and metaphysics and, and knowledge. Words such as subconscious, conscious, thoughts, mind, mental states, and such words referring to what are supposed to be purely private states that are unobservable and only meaningful if used and tied to public uses, as we contemplated in private episodes, are non-scientific, have no predictive value, and thus when psychiatrists, psychologists, ling linguists, and similar pseudosciences began uh, trying to become a science, uh, the use of this non-scientific terms looked bad and made them look bad. They were faced in the situation, as Wittgenstein describes, of when words whereof one cannot speak, thereof one must be silent. Obviously, they didn't want to be silent. How do you, uh, because they had issues they wanted to deal with and problems they wanted to solve. How do you test a subconscious thought that is an unthought thought? Uh, one cannot. So in order to be scientists, through application of Occam's razor, uh, such areas of thought began to use techniques concentrating on what could be observed, observed, tested, predicted, and falsified, that is, a person's behavior. Thus we uh, have uh, behaviorism. The problem with behaviorism is that its results, as is true of most of science, only gives probabilities that can be falsified. And unfortunately for behaviorism, the probabilities were only probabilities about controlling people, that is, of predicting and of getting most people to act in certain ways in certain times or in certain situations. Essentially, behaviorism is the science of brainwashing or marketing. This, uh, such researchers did not like the feeling and nomenclature of such reality. So starting in the uh, 1950s with the likes of Noam Chomsky and others, Research and technicians in such areas started to bring back the concepts that caused all the problems in the first place and started to talk theories that are called structuralism, innate language skills, synthetic structures, surface structure, syntax structure, deep structure, semantic structure, Chomsky hierarchy, and all sorts of word games that would have meant nothing except for aesthetic value and for tenure committees, and were obviously attempts to hide the problems that behaviorism was, uh, was created in order to get around. Uh, such word games such as this would not have had any value if not for the advent at the time, and most likely because of the advent at the time of the computer and our technological society's need to translate human language into a language that can run computers. The usefulness and meaning of these new word games trying to get around behaviorism and its uh, implication of just being a form of brainwashing and marketing, the usefulness and meaning of these new word games was to provide a format and algorithms for translating human language into a computer language. This was accomplished, uh, as all translations are accomplished, as we discussed it, uh, contemplated in an earlier podcast. By creating, it was accomplished by creating words that in a new word game achieved the same observable results 
or acts of the other word game being translated. So now, since these word games not only were used to brainwash humans, but also to create computer brains that could brainwash humans and achieve predictable results, behaviorists now started calling themselves cognitive scientists instead of behaviorists. The words have exact the same word the words have the exact same use, but the former cognitive science just sounds better than uh, behavior behaviorism, but they are the same. They have the same use, and therefore they have the same meaning. They are just being changed for aesthetic value uh, and to achieve powers in and in itself. Now, don't get me wrong here. I'm not ridiculing their work. I never ridicule any technology that works. I admire it, uh, the more power to them. We need computers to discover, explore, and conquer the universe much more than we need philosophers. I admit that. Their work is difficult, intellectually challenging, and important work. However, for workers, it is important to understand that reality has not changed. Uh, social and community reality still consists of classes. You still have the powers that be that can have the power to change the world into their image and make it what, they, what it ought to be. And we have everyone else who tries to survive their attempts to create the world in their own image. These type of techniques, behaviorism, are some of the techniques that the powers and be can use to create the world in their image. Just because they call it cognitive science to make it sound better does not change what is, what is going on and is it important for workers to understand that. There is no more cognitive science in cognitive science than in any other science. Whatever truth and meaning their words and word games have is still pragmatic. Does a computer do what it is expected to do? There is no creation here of the existential I am of consciousness, nor any defeating of the private language problem, induction problem, cause and effect problem, or of the RFP. There's no answering of any of the blue pill or well, red pill problems discussed in the earlier, earliest episodes of our podcast series, nor of any is-ought problems of whether what these sciences are doing is moral. These scientists are still behaviorists in which the usefulness of their word games is their ability to control humans to a certain degree and now to control computers in order to achieve predictive results or whatever observable results they're trying to achieve. Calling themselves cognitive sciences is simply a word game designed to hide the empirical experience of what they're doing. It's an aesthetically pleasing word that maintains their will to power. Expecting that artificial, intelligent will, will ran, artificial intelligence will randomly and arbitrarily become conscious is a religion, uh, not, a, not a language nor science, scientific expectation. Remember, the limits of my language means the limits of my world. What the future will hold when this empirically rea empirical reality becomes undeniable is, is contemplated in the Sciences Religion podcast that is itself an important contemplation. If science is to be our technological society's new, new religion, it is important for, for workers to know such future and its, its, and its effects upon us, not to be conned by word kings intended solely to con us into hiding what their true connection is to both empirical experience at one end and theory at the other end.